You're listening to the Arch Publications Business Insight Podcast. On this edition, I interview Abby and Jason. They're the owners of Larvin and Clegg Funeral Care, based in Congleton. Keep listening to find out what Jason said that made me react like this. I did not know, but that makes sense. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Don't forget to subscribe on your favourite podcast platform. Just search for Arch Publications. Hope you enjoy. The Arch Publications Podcast. Hi, I'm Katie from Arch Publications and you're listening to our podcast series where I go out and meet local businesses. And if you go round the one-way system in Congleton, you will have probably noticed a new funeral business. Well, it's not actually that new. It's been here for four years, but we're going to hear all about it from the owners. Uh, We've got Jason and Abby here from Larvin and Clegg Funeral Care. So I want to start with, obviously I mentioned you have been here for four years, but you didn't just appear as funeral directors. You must have done something before that. So do you want to start, Jason, by telling me a bit about your career history? Firstly, hello, Katie. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My career um, is an interesting one, really. I started in, well, actually, I decided at age 14, I wanted to be an undertaker. I was raised in rural West Yorkshire, where everything's on hillsides. And I was the sort of kid that always had a jam jar in my pocket, catching grasshoppers and other insects. I was always interested in natural uh, sciences. And one of the places that we always found lots and lots of wildlife to catch was cemeteries because on a hillside they have long grass and as a child I found myself clambering over big lumps of stone that had you know writing on them been there for hundreds of years absolutely and then through time realised that there were actually graves and then realised that underneath six feet under here there are skeletons Mm. Uh, and I was absolutely fascinated by things and then I was out walking um, with my mum and she made a stop at the side of the road and I didn't actually understand what was going on but she made a stop and bow our heads and a, a cortege came past and I looked at the cortege of the, the black cars and the coffin and I thought that's what I'm going to do so at age 14 I went to school and said I'm going to be an undertaker works experience was interesting they sent me to a graphic designers oh actually I might have quite enjoyed that to be fair <laughs> ironically I, I learned a great deal in those two weeks and it yeah. served as it served as well over the years got to age 21 and I managed to get myself a work placement in the mortuary at Huddersfield Royal Infirmary so how how did you do that? I wrote uh, to the Chamber of Commerce um, because one of our neighbours was a paramedic and he knew that the Huddersfield Mortuary had taken on a girl a couple of years earlier oh. via the Chamber of Commerce for on, a, on a training programme. Wow. So I wrote to the hospital, I wrote to the Chamber of Commerce, finally managed to get an interview and, and they accepted me, which was a massive achievement in itself. Um, so at age 21, uh, I found myself rolling up my sleeves and, you know, with the first two days I was there was involved in post-mortems. Just, just going back a bit, did you have, did you sort of aim to get certain qualifications then? Did someone say, if you want to do this, you need to have these qualifications? Um, no. Purely it was a, a way in. I had had no joy locally working with the local funeral directors. Mm-hmm. I'd written to them all and asked them for a job. But, you know, there's lots of people that want to work in funeral service and it can be quite difficult to, to actually get a door to open. Going back 30 years, many others found run services were very much if you're not part of the family you don't get a foot in the door the only other avenue I thought was potentially I could become an embalmer Um, my dad knew a gentleman who was also an embalmer and he suggested that you know an embalming route might be the way forward and I initially wrote to the hospital quite naively to ask them if they could offer me embalming experience 
obviously at the time not realising that hospitals don't embalm. Okay. But they do do postmortems. They accepted me on the on the basis that I told them that all I wanted to do really was learn as much as I could and hopefully through them get an introduction to one of the local funeral directors who would hopefully take me on an apprenticeship. Is that what happened then? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> But um, it was it was a you know a gallant effort. Yeah. No, no, it didn't happen like I that. I bet, like all. you know, when you're going clubbing in Leeds, because yeah. actually we're a similar age, and I lived in Leeds about the same time yeah. as this, and uh, we used to go to Majestics <laughs> yes. and all those places, and I'd be like, mm-hmm, looking around at the fellas, and I'd be like, "Hi, come over to you," and what do you do? <laughs> um, I once got very very drunk, and I was sat in a nightclub, and a lovely young lady came and sat next to me, and she she just had to tell me she was a nurse and I went oh I used to work in the mortuary literally spent the next 20 minutes boring this poor girl on how to dissect somebody for a post-mortem examination oh I bet she was actually quite interested uh, I don't think so because she didn't stick around oh okay <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, so it's, it's not Abby who you have next to you now who no, is your no, no, he's no. also your wife and your work wife um, te- well technically well. we're not married oh oh sorry <laughs> but, and, and on Valentine's Day that's become a touchy subject but that's okay <laughs> how long have you been together for uh, five, almost five years. Almost five years. Yeah. Because you, obviously, just from the very short time we've been talking, you are so passionate about your job. And I'm not saying that you're not, <laughs> but Jason, we when I came to meet you the first time, we talked for a long time because it's clear you're really passionate about your job. And I, I, I know I've gone off track a bit, really, because we were talking about your career history. And mm. going over that, what you've done before and how you got started just reinforces that you're so passionate about your job. I, I've had conversations over the years when I've been driving hearses and I've had clergy at the side of me and I've had conversations with priests and vicars and other ministers and they always talk about they felt a calling Mm. to their role and I actually identify with that because at age 14 I was sat there looking at headstones and being fascinated by the fact that there were people Mm. you know buried in the ground so for for both of us the line of work that we're in isn't a job Mm. it's a way of life um, I think I may have said to you before about Christmas Day. It's an analogy yeah. I use all the time. That if Christmas Day is your favourite day and it's the one time of year when your family are all, all around and they're coming for Christmas dinner and Christmas dinner is your favourite dinner and you're so excited about it, your phone rings and there's a family that's just lost somebody important to them, mm. then your, your, your Christmas dinner can wait. That's what microwaves are for. Yeah. You know, and if you've not got that level of commitment, mm. go and do something else. Yeah. Because this is not, it's not a job. It's a way of life. Mm. So I'm just going to turn to Abby now. Mm. So what's your career history then? So mine's not as exciting as Jason's. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't use the words exciting, but I would say interesting. Yeah. 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 Well, I finished... At school and went on to college to do beauty therapy and studied in beauty therapy for a couple of years. Then had a little break from that and worked abroad for a few years. Um, then came back and went back to beauty therapy. And then after that, just decided that I kind of wanted to do something a little different, but I wasn't quite sure what. So I had a choice really between going into something like midwifery. So made two choices were midwifery or funeral care. Right. So where Jason... Birth or death. Yeah, exactly. So One or where, the other. Where not, yeah. yeah. So where Jason says he had a calling for funeral care, I had a sort of maybe a calling for a caring profession. Mm. So it was either help someone into life or mm. help someone 
over, over to the other side and just applied for a job and started as a part-time funeral arranger. In Congleton, because you're from Congleton, aren't you? Yeah, originally from Congleton, then in, in, we're in Sandbatch at the moment. But no, my part-time funeral arranger job was in um, Crewe. Oh, okay. So then worked my way up a little bit through the roles and then ended up in, in Manchester. I mean, it's quite nice because I didn't really have, I didn't know what path I wanted to follow, but I think I we're a believer in that your path's already set out for you. Yeah. So we were meant to sort of meet each Ooh. other in it, and we believe that, don't we? We do, yeah. I feel the same way about my husband as yeah. well. Yeah. He'd be nothing without me. <laughs> We're very fortunate in that we our paths crossed. Um, Abby downplays her role slightly. I mean, she she had an, she held an important position in in her work, which wasn't just a part time funeral arranger. She was one of the managers. She was overseeing a team of funeral arrangers. I always describe myself as just a simple undertaker because that's all I ever wanted to be. But the fact is, is that between us, we had such a dynamic skill set. Every job within within a funeral, we take care of in-house. And between us, we've got an incredible skill set, which means that, that we, when we say to a family, we will look after your loved one mm. as though they're a member of our family. Well, we, we mean it and we can back that up mm. we, because we've got all the skills in-house to do that. I once watched Abby gluing individual eyelashes onto a lady that had passed away. Mm. She was not very old. She'd taken her own life, sadly. Her eyelashes had been damaged through the process. And you spent three hours, didn't you? Mm-hmm. It gluing individual eyelashes on to make this girl look as beautiful as possible. Yeah. There's an element in our, it, we were very specific when we named our funeral service, fun, you know, laughing and like funeral care. care. Yeah. And it's the care aspect, mm. but it's not just the care of a family. Obviously, that's a given. People, we understand that when people come here, they're not necessarily in a good place. They're not coming here because they want to. They're, you know, they're usually going through one of the worst moments in their lives. Something that is, it's horrible if you've ever experienced grief and loss. So, of course, our job is to care for that family, but our job is also to care for the person that's passed away. And I really do believe that Abby and I have got that skill set absolutely nailed down. Yeah, we're just currently sat in your premises, which. Um... Um, is a really nice calming environment it's really comfortable you've it's really nicely decorated you've got modern chairs it, it, it doesn't feel like oppressive and it doesn't feel patronizing either because you have this vision of some places you go into them they might be just slightly you know you don't have that depth that they actually genuinely mean it but in here you feel like you genuinely do mean it does that make sense by the way you've decorated Abby's responsible for that <laughs> okay <she's... laughs> yeah yeah we just didn't want the darkness that you find with the traditional funeral homes so we wanted something that was just neutral but cosy mm, that's what it's like yeah, yeah it gives you the cosy homely feel and it's just decor that we would we would have in our house if, yeah you know if we were decorating so we just sort of base try and base everything on comfort comfort yeah and try and make people as comfortable as possible and relaxed one of the things that we've often found is because we we just try to create an environment where people could relax and talk because not everybody that comes through the door has lost someone people that come through the door may be facing you know a long time 
long-term illness that they may pass away from. Right. And we don't want people coming in into a, a dark Victorian funeral home. We yeah. wanted to create an environment where they could just come in, relax and talk. And very often we find that we sit down and Abby's usually got a notepad taking notes and we're just having a conversation and a chat and the family arranged the funeral without realising they've arranged the funeral just yeah. from just from conversation. We did that, didn't we? When I first came in, it was really weird. I felt like the need to tell you how I wanted to have my funeral. I don't know why. It's like, you know, that was the first time we met and I found myself saying, I actually want this and I want that. And, you know, and that's just obviously something that you're very good at getting out of people. <laughs> I think we say it a lot, don't we? Like if we go out, Jason says, I'm not talking about work tonight because people, when they see us, they automatically want to talk about what we do, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. And like you say, they'll tell us what what they want to do because I don't know. I think it's one of them where they feel like they can't talk to other people about it, but they want to talk about it. Yes. People want to talk about death. That is so true. Yeah. And this is, and this is an environment we, we say it all the time is that you can have anything that you want. Mm. There is no right or wrong. Yeah. Um, I, I do, what's the strangest request you have had then? We don't have strange requests. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> you know, it doesn't, if someone said, well, we'd like, Abby to skateboard in front of the hearse wearing a pink tutu, then Abby would practice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm not bad. I've not got a lot of balance. <laughs> <laughs> so there is, there is, we, we don't, there is no weird. Okay. Um, we were very fortunate because in in Manchester, we worked in an area where it was really diverse, both in religion and culture. And so we've seen all aspects, haven't we? Yeah. You know, we've, yeah. we've, we've looked after funerals for Jewish community. You know, they want everything done within 24 hours, yes, they do, but they, they practically do everything themselves. So right. we're there just as a guiding role. We've looked after Sikh funerals where we've had busloads of people coming from all over the place. Mm-hmm. We've looked after West Indian evangelical funerals, mm-hmm. which are just incredible, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Lots of music. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. everybody's up singing. Oh, I'd love that. Yeah. I'd love a gospel hey. choir at my yeah. funeral. I'd yeah. love that. I yeah. say that all the time, don't I? Yeah. Maybe when we get married, I'll have one there. <laughs> Yeah. But the thing is, is that I think where other cultures do funerals better than us is that they're not afraid of celebrating. Yes, that's Um, so true. And I think one of the things that we have tried to do in our approach has been to celebrate people's lives. Mm. Don't get me wrong. If people want very dark, very Victorian, very what I call meat and two vegetable funerals, Mm. we can do them if that's what people want. But actually, if you you walk up and down Congleton High Street and stopped everybody and said, what would your perfect funeral be? Very, very few people will say, well, I want everyone to wear black. Yeah, true. And we've just picked up on the fact that life can be celebrated and it doesn't matter whether that life's, you know, a couple of hours or a hundred years. I fancy doing something quite exciting, but as long as my coffin, as it gets lowered into the ground, my husband throws himself on it, screaming, don't go, don't go. That's all I want to have in my head, you know, as I, on my dying, on my deathbed, a vision of Matt going, don't go, don't go. <laughs> having, having briefly met Matt, um, we know he's not, he's not the biggest of chaps. So I think providing we've got six people to lower the coffin down, yeah. we all decide, we should, yeah. we should be okay. And we'll be all right getting him back out. You know? it's not, it's not heavy. Yeah. No, it's not heavy. Yeah. He'll be fine. So, yeah, I mean, you can have anything that you like. Good. It's your funeral. Why? Why did you decide to go out on your own and and do it, move away from working for corporate? The the problem 
with working for a corporate is that you are very restricted and everything and every day is about sales. It's about pushing whatever you can sell because they're interested in making money. And I respect that businesses have to make money. For us, it didn't sit comfortable, does it? Neither of us are salespeople. I mean, yeah, you know, <laughs> we, like we, we say routinely, you can have anything that you want, but we don't sell it. So, you know, if you ask us for it, you can have it, but you'll never hear us saying, here's a coffee brochure, yeah. you know, choose a coffee. The levels of care that you as a family receive and as a female professional can give within a large corporate is a lot less because you you know they could be looking after two or three funerals every day so how do you give each family mm. the care and attention that they deserve so if I came in here to organise a funeral with you you would be the ones doing it but in a corporate environment you might get to organise it with somebody else and you won't necessarily get to meet the person who's dealing with it yeah yeah. so Abby will tell you that you had a team of arrangers didn't you yeah so the arrangers will do the funeral arrangements do everything that needs to be done to make sure the funeral can go ahead and then pass it pass everything to the funeral director on the day oh so the funeral director on the day doesn't necessarily meet not always necessarily. sometimes wow. so sometimes some... it, it is able to happen isn't it yeah. sometimes it's not and I had, yeah. I had situations in Manchester where I would arrive at the crematorium with a hearse and a coffin and, and go and introduce myself to a family and say oh and who's who because I'd never actually had you know a physical meeting with them mm-hmm. um, there are some instances where we'd have a funeral director that maybe call in sick and we'd get a call from a manager say we need you at this crematorium at this time and you get there and you don't even know if the person that you are taking into crematorium is a man or a woman and I understand and respect that that's what works for their mm. business but we wanted to do, wanted to do things better Abby's family are all from Congleton mm. um, obviously I'm not <laughs> with my dulcet Yorkshire because it isn't your dad uh, used to have your businesses in Congleton didn't yeah. he yeah. so my mum and dad used to own the off licence which was Hiccups mm. which is just on Mill Street just at the bottom of the road um, my dad used to work at the leisure centre he was one, the manager there and he's quite famous yeah he's like a little <laughs> mini celeb on our funeral he really is he really he is does, he's not been on a funeral yet where someone doesn't know who he is yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. in fact a lot of people think that the Larvin from Larvin and Clegg is Ian yeah oh really <laughs> yeah and that's fine because my dad's he know. must be dead proud of you though yeah he is well he drives our hearse drives. yes yeah yeah. yeah yeah do you have to have a special licence to drive no, a hearse oh just, okay it's just a it's just a car licence okay I think that's going to be on my bucket list of things to do actually well, can, that's easy you can you can take our hearse for a drive no I mean actually drive for a funeral we can arrange that oh, for yeah. you as well There'll be an element of training that we have to that's go through, fine you just have to drive in a low gear don't you it's automatic oh is it okay and it's for that reason because you have to what is the speed you drive at then when you so, so there's an, an unwritten rule that it's 10 miles an hour below the speed limit so oh. if the speed limit's 30 we drive at 20 right okay because we have to be respectful um, but you also don't want to annoy people but we don't want to hold people up behind mm. us um, because obviously there's you know people have got their lives to go have you ever had anybody angry driving yeah. past going well, we've had yeah. people cut between the hearse and the limousine mm. at roundabouts and things like that unfortunately we live in a society where people have become very self-centred yeah and the respect shown at funerals is less I won't say that it's completely no I mean it's still nice when we're driving along the people road people stop people do stop and 
they'll bow and they'll take the hats off and that's really nice to see. Yeah. Um, so it, it is still there. Yeah. I think it's just trying to teach our younger generation to yeah. suit. It does yeah. make you feel really sad when you see somebody passing by because you kind of, it reminds you of how fragile life is, yeah. isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. And you must get reminded of that like literally every day. Yeah. How do you cope with that then? We don't. We don't. We don't dwell no, on it. We don't take it home with us. No. Um, it's not our, it's, it's not our grief. Mm, it's yeah. our it's our job to ensure that that family can grieve. It's not our place to grieve. Mm, yeah. So we're very we're very caring, but we're also very professional. We're very distant. Don't get me wrong. There are some situations where you cannot not get involved. Mm, but obviously, we that the family don't see that side of us. No. So they'll we obviously care for them and their loved one. Have you done counselling training then, either of you? No, no. We're just both very by nature just very nice, caring people. <laughs> a matter of opinion isn't it <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no you genuinely do seem to be if I was to get knocked down by a bus when I leave here hopefully I won't this is where I'll come oh, well unfortunately you. if you got knocked down by the bus that would be referred to coroner oh um, so yeah you would be taken into coroner's care well first. you could come like a week later a yeah later, yeah two weeks, two weeks. Yeah. okay yeah. Yeah. hopefully that never happens yeah hopefully well, it's, it's like <laughs> we, we laugh and joke and say to people nobody's ever nobody's ever really happy to meet us first time yeah first time that they meet us but then we've got we refer to our families as funeral families and many of them have become our friends mm-hmm. haven't they yeah you'd be amazed how many times that door opens and in comes a lady with a cake for us Aww. we're yeah. still we're, we're very actively involved with George's family aren't yeah. we so obviously George Lee Ogden that was sadly you know killed in the car crash yeah Asbury. very young yeah we this is a perfect example of one that we could not switch off from could we yeah no, no um, and you know three years on George still plays an important part in our lives don't you get involved in some charity which fundraising to support whatever activities George's family are doing undertaking and what were they doing something for Easter are they yeah, so they are currently uh, doing an Easter raffle. Oh, okay. Uh, so we're one of the collection points. There is a couple of others I can't remember off the top of my head, but we're one of the collection points. So we'll collect the uh, Easter eggs and then hand them over to Mandy and Mark and they pop lovely hampers together and raffle them off. So we have also got raffle tickets. Oh, okay. <laughs> Mark, Mark dropped them in earlier. Okay. So we, we can uh, sell the raffle tickets as well for them, but it's something that we do each year. We get involved with them. And we, and we always will. And these things that you do for, for the family, they're on your Facebook, aren't they? So mm-hmm. if people want to know, yeah. keep up with the things that you are doing, they can yeah. they can monitor your Facebook yeah, page. Yeah, everything that we do. And we do try and do quite a few charity events through the year. So everything goes on our social media. So Instagram. <laughs> and Facebook. Okay. There is there is um an element still of taboo around mm. death and funerals. And one of the things that we've tried to do from day one is try and break down those barriers. And we try and show people that we're just a family. People are fascinated by what we do, but for us, we're just a family doing what we do. You know, we take care of your family, don't we? Mm. I think, I just think people need to come and meet you because um, you are really nice people and you know what you're talking about. And the great thing is you are a shop front that people can come in. Don't have have to make an appointment necessary yeah. you might have to ring the bell because you might be in the back making a brew but or prepping a coffin oh, pre- <laughs> I didn't or want it yeah yeah okay or, or on the toilet yeah. I'm just yeah. trying to think more you know but they can come in and they can sit on this comfortable sofa and they can talk to you about um, what they might want and just learn about you and know that when it is their time 
or family's time that who's going to be looking after them is somebody with your nature and your experience yeah yeah, yeah. and and it is just myself and Jason that look after the per- the, the people when they come to us mm. yeah yeah it, you know apart from the weekends when we've got all the kids you know if someone passes away in the middle of the night it'll be myself and Abby that go and collect them mm-hmm. we do everything in house don't we yeah just the two of us and then obviously on the day of the funeral we have gentlemen in to help us but other than that it's just myself and Jason do you what? think oh sorry you were going to say something one of them's uh, your dad well, member yeah. of family and Glenn we, we think he's a distant, he's a distant cousin, cousin as well oh. so. yeah, yeah. it's a right family affair <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're going to be having an open day aren't you very soon we are April 15th yep uh, I believe it's a Saturday. Saturday so we've done this before we've we've held like a couple of events Macmillan Coffee Mornings a grief relief cafe which is almost like your death cafes mm. that you often hear about we've done a couple of those haven't yeah, we yeah. are you going to be doing more of those yeah yeah because one of the things that like I said to you earlier that many of the funeral families that we've taken care of have become friends mm. and it's actually quite nice for people just to come in and have a slice of cake and a cup of tea and whatever else and a chat very often the person's final memory of their loved one might be their loved one laying in our chapel of rest mm. and we want that to be a positive experience we want it to be something that they can take away and say, I'm glad I went to see Nan. You know, she looked beautiful. But very often also is that this place, is, as much as we've tried to make it as modern and relaxing and comfortable as possible, can still hold quite difficult memories for yeah. people because the, the, they're going through difficult moments in their life. By having these events, it just allows people to come in and experience something other than a funeral. The open day we want to do because we firmly believe that our facility is the best that you will find in this town. Our mortuary is like a hospital operating theatre. Our embalming table is a former hospital post-mortem table. And we believe in transparency, don't we? Yeah. We've, we said from day one that funerals shouldn't be taboo. People should have the right to go and see where your mum's going to be embalmed or even ask, can I come and help you dress my dad? You know, the, the answer is yes. And so just to show people that don't know us, we're just an ordinary family. But to show people that might need our services in the future, have a look, come and see us and, and so that's on the 15th yeah. is that a Saturday Saturday yeah people will literally be able to look at the whole place have a look at the, the room where you said you do the embalming if they've got any questions about that process you're going to be able to answer those questions and yeah I think that's amazing that you're going to do that you've shown me around and I was fascinated by it because it's like you said it's like a secret world it in is. a way yeah. it is yeah but but also in, in many respects we've seen both good and bad within the funeral service and we know of facilities that are nowhere near the level of standard that we operate at and I think by showing people what it should be like will enable people to be better be better informed have more information so that even if they choose to go to another funeral director which of course that is absolutely their right um, at least they know what they should be asking and what the standard should be where the bar should be Mm. Um, it's all about transparency yeah I think that's a great idea so that's the 15th what time is it going to start do you know yet? Uh, probably about 10.30. With cake? Oh, well, cake. No, there's, there's, there's always cakes at all of our events because we've got some lovely ladies that like to bring us Oh, lots and lots that's of really cake. nice. But if they can't make it then, they can pop in any time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. yeah the door, absolutely. The door is always open unless it's locked because we're in the back <laughs> yeah. end somewhere. Or 
out at a funeral. Yeah. yeah. Would you put a sign on the door if you were out at the funeral? Uh, it depends. Not out to lunch, out at a funeral. It depends, because most most of the time the door is open, uh, and most of the time you're here, aren't yeah. you? So yeah. So there are there are some fa- there are some funerals where Abby has a, forms a really strong connection with the family, and, mm. and they almost insist on mm. you being there. Yeah. But other times it's myself and a really professional crew that yeah. go out there. Um, because when we're out on a funeral, the, f- the phone can still ring. Yeah, of course. So we still need a member of our family to pick up that phone and help that family that, yeah. that are calling us. As I keep repeating, nobody is ever happy to meet us the first time. Mm. Although I have to say, I, we only started the podcast series last year and don't tell anybody else, but this has been one of my favourite interviews. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, I, obviously, like, you know, don't tell all my other interview people. I'm sure they won't mind. But this has been one of my most, I've just, we, when we met last time, we just laughed and laughed. And laughed, and I loved it. So I've really enjoyed it, and I think people will will find you the same. They'll find you very approachable if they come and meet you and everything. And I, I think you're going to go from strength to strength. Do you have plans for the future to grow? Go into other towns? I think what what we have done over the last three years that we've been opened. And at the beginning, you said four. Well, years. I did say four. And yeah, that, I thought it was we, four. Technically, we did have the keys four years, didn't we? Okay, but we did. We spent nearly four months renovating. Oh, this okay. Again, because we did everything ourselves. Yeah. Um, so it took us a little bit longer to... to you should have corrected me. No, that, that would have been rude. <laughs> um, so we've, we've, we've been open now for three years. And in those three years, despite the expertise and the level of knowledge that we had previously, we'd never operated a business as such, have we? Yeah. And there's two aspects. We have to obviously, yes, we first and foremost are a funeral service but at the same time we're also trying to operate a business we have to make a living otherwise we're not going to be able to look after families in five years time so we've been learning business haven't we yeah um and we've been i don't say i don't think perfecting is the right word because no, we never attain perfection i think perfection. we'll always learn won't we? yeah we'll always continue but, to learn yeah we've been trying different things and trying to understand how we can do things better uh, we have a mantra that you are only as good as your last funeral we're very critical we analyze all aspects of what we do, don't we, all the yeah. time. And we're only just getting to a point where we can say we've got things that are almost, almost where we want them mm. to be. And once we've done that, then, yes, I'm sure we'll look at other towns and exactly. see if we can help other families in those areas. Yeah, because I suppose if you did that, you'd want to make sure that you could maintain the most important thing, which is that personal touch. Yes. And if you grow and grow, sometimes, unfortunately, that can be lost, yeah. can't it? It, it yeah, can. Definitely. And also, we, you know, the, the people that we bring into our business to help us provide our service, we treat them as a member of our family as well. And it's really important that they have the same approach and values mm to other people unfortunately like everything in the world people have become very self-centered and there's a lot of people that believe that they want to work in the funeral service because they can stand in front of the hearse and have a top hat and a big stick and things like that and that's it's five percent of what we yeah. do isn't it they don't need to work in a funeral service to do that they could just do it anyway <laughs> I, I have maintained and i do honestly believe this i could take anybody off the street 
And within two weeks, I could teach them to conduct a funeral. Yeah. Because that's the easy bit. Mm. What you cannot teach them is the 30 years of experience that we've got that brought us to this point. Mm. The term funeral director is a term that is so loosely held now. Years gone by, it was a privileged position. The very term funeral director, I think, is a little bit pretentious. Yeah. We're just undertakers. We're undertaking the job that nobody else wanted to do. Is that why? That's where the phrase came from. Is it really? I didn't know that. So much of what we do is still embedded in Victorian tradition. I did not know, but that makes sense. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. I'm going to use that fact. (laughs) But if you ask 90% of the people that work in the funeral service, one thing that really gets my goat more than anything is the people that say, I'm in the funeral industry. We're not in an industry. We're not manufacturing gears. Mm. We're, we're working with people and emotions. We work in a service. And one of the things that really gets my goat is that 90% of the people don't even have the most basic knowledge about what we do yeah. or why we do it, more importantly. Great example. We take coffins into the church or into the you know into the crematorium feet first. It's a Victorian tradition. Because the Victorians believed that if you did not leave feet first, your spirit would remain in your home. So we still do that now. However, our Hindu, Sikh brothers and sisters, they go head first. Why? Because we enter the world head first. Wow. So they leave the world head first. So you don't even have to ask that question. You'll just do it anyway to different cultures and religions. Yeah. Wow. But um, there are so many there are so many little aspects and nuances that we've picked up yeah. over the years. It's, I, I can understand why people are fascinated yeah. in what we do. I could talk to you forever. But ultimately, we're just a family. You are. Taking care of your family. Yeah. And I've, as I said, I've really enjoyed this interview. And I just uh, want to say thank you for letting me spend some time with you. It's been thank our privilege, you. hasn't it? Mm-hmm. It's been really nice to have you and Matt here. Oh, okay, good. I'll tell him. <laughs> Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Business Insights with Arch Publications, hosted by Katie O'Regan.